Hello, welcome to Local Anaesthetic Podcast. This is your weekly injection of mind-numbing local news. My name is Alex, this is Rob. Previate. Ah, now I've just remembered what you're doing. Each week you are saying hello in a different language, and that was Polish? No, we did Polish. That was Russian. Right. Did you do Polish? Yeah. What was Polish? Uh, Ooh. um, It was an item of clothing. Okay, whatever. Vest, I think. Okay, Rob, what was it in Russian? Uh, Previat. Okay, Previat. Yeah, very communist. Previat. Ah, good, yeah. Yours sounds better than mine. Yeah. Previat. Oh, yeah, there we go. Good. Um, we can be found on our website, which is www.lapodcast.net. We are on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash LAPodcast. We can be found on Twitter at, at LAPodcast. If you go to iTunes, you can download all of our old episodes. <coughs> Pardon me. Not tired. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to us. You can leave us a review. If you go to our website, you can download all of our previous episodes too. Has the problem with the Apple's podcast act? That being fixed, can people now download previous episodes, Rob? Nope. No. No, it's still going on, unfortunately. Are they aware of it? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, no. I mean, there's there's enough comments on their, on their forums, hopefully. It shouldn't take long now. to fix, Well, it? no. You, you, obviously, you can still stream the episodes. Uh, as, to be honest, I actually did that the other day. I was listening to a few back catalogue episodes. Narcissist. Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, I'm proud of the product we make. Good. Um, Do you have anything sad. to say at the beginning of this podcast? Well, I was, it's quite sad. I think we need to mention the fact that we're sitting here recording on Valentine's Day. It does say a lot, doesn't it, that we are uh, spending this time together, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, um, I, you, you may have remembered, you, you may have forgotten, um, it's my birthday next week, uh, a week today. In February fact. 21st. Yes. Um, right. Uh, just thought I'd, I'd just remind you, it's a significant birthday, I'm <sighs> turning... The big three oh, oh. God, you uh, are as well, yeah. Yeah, um, I'm going to Edinburgh, by the way. Did I mention that? Yeah, when are you going? Uh, I'm going on Thursday. So for the weekend? Yes. Next Thursday yes. for the weekend? Yeah. All right, 30 so, uh, years I'll old. expect a present beforehand. Yeah, I need to get you a present. So do I need to buy you two one-pound gifts from the pound store? I mean, do you want something serious or do you want something joke? Do you know what? I'm going to leave that to your discretion. Well, it's always going to be joke when it's left to me. Cause it yeah, that's the problem. It's going to make it more entertaining. Well, you know, I, I'll leave it to your discretion. There's a lot more... Can I say, Rob? There is actually a hell of a lot more thought, yeah, gone into me going into a pound down somewhere, right? Or a charity shop and buying you something than there is me ordering you a DVD box set from Amazon. A lot more thought. <laughs> Isn't there? Uh, one I can sit at home and just do, and one I have to go out and make an effort. I, I, I suppose, yeah, I, I, I can't really argue with that. That does make yeah. sense. Uh, although, uh, j- j- just just remember that, um, you know, it, it's how it's, it, the present's received as well. Well, how about, because uh, I would, I would want to go and do a trawl of charity shops and find you the most hideous thing I could possibly find. I believe that, yeah. That takes course. time. <laughs> that does. Well, you know, as I said, I'll leave that to your better judgment. All right, I've made up my mind. <laughs> Oh, I just want to say as well, um, those who do follow us on Twitter, I I am trying to be more active on Twitter. So to try and raise our profile, uh, if you are happy to contact us, please feel free to tweet us anything, uh, any any stories, anything like this, any questions you have. You don't have to email our stories. We understand that email is now on the way of the dodo. It's all (laughs) happening in the Twitter sphere. It's very true. And also... Uh, it's a bit cheeky to ask, but anything you feel is uh, is worthy of a retweet, always good. Or if you you know any sort of follow Friday mentions, that would also be good. Um, I've got no idea what you're talking I about. I know, Alex, but uh, hopefully these people will. Yeah. These people, these are our listeners, Rob. Yeah, uh, okay, our... our Loyal families. Anesthesiacs, is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah, we haven't yeah. used that for a while. No. No. On with the podcast. Oh.
Rob, I'm going to kick us off now with a... Uh, I'm not, I really don't know if this is a good idea to start a podcast start podcasts with this story, especially if there's a new listener listening, because they might get thoroughly turned off and repulsed. Oh God, why? Okay. This is, this is, I probably think, the most sickening story we've ever read out, and you'll know why. It's by Tim McFarlane from okay. New Shopper, who specializes in... Is that him? That's Patrick that's, yeah, that's, that's not him. But Tim McFarlane also does small, slightly comical stories. Come on, wait. You, have the, you never mentioned it again, but you called him Patrick Grafton O'Green. Did I? You made him Irish for no apparent reason. I'm sure he is Irish. Well, maybe. Yeah. Grafton Green, yeah. I just thought I'd mention it. Because it was never mentioned again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I wasn't aware of it. I'm sorry, Patrick Grafton O'Green. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the headline is from the 11th of February. Um, and the headline is Gravesend Man Praised Online for Downing Dead Mice in Neck Nomination Video. Oh, right, okay, so this is, this, this apparently people have died as a result of this. This is, have you heard about this particular story? I, not this particular story, no, no. A Gravesend man has been praised online for posting a video of himself downing dead mice in a dangerous new drinking craze, what? Nick Nomination. In the four-minute clip uploaded to Facebook, Aaron Johnson puts four mice, some grasshopper and some larvae, a spider, some vodka, lager and milk into okay. a blender. <laughs> And right. by the way, I started watching oh, this okay. video. So it's into a blender. It's not like he's necking them. It's not like he's actually... These are raw mice. Well, yeah, there is that, yeah. Can't be good for you, can it? Um, no, possibly not. <laughs> he then pours the vile mixture into a pint glass and drinks it uh, before spitting out some mice bones into the sink as friends can be heard encouraging him. Oh, my God. The stunt is part of the Nick nomination fab, which is thought to have originated in Australia. Of course, yeah. Participants down drinks in outrageous ways or neck potent cocktails of booze before posting the video online and nominating friends to try and top their performance within. Within, within, within... No, there is no end to that sentence. Right. <laughs> Mr Johnson could be heard nominating three other men after completing his gruesome challenge. There was praise from him underneath the video with one person called Danny Trelevan posting, This was awesome. Can I say, like the people doing this, um, and I'm, I'm hoping that none of my friends have, because I'm, what, for what I'm about to say, you'd have to be a fucking idiot to do this, right? Yeah, that goes there, There's that, no so. two other ways. I actually saw a man, uh, Sarah showed me, because I've come off Facebook, and I was, Sarah showed me a man who um, effectively downed a bottle of wine. Mm. Uh, to be fair, he did pour it into pint glasses, but then down the first pint, poured the wine into the, the remainder of the wine into the second glass, and then downed that as well. Mm. But uh, let's face it, he looked like he had the IQ comparable to a broken wheelie bin. I drank a whole bottle of sherry when I was 15, over the course of about an hour, and I went blind. <laughs> Rob. So that's not funny, Alex. I went it's blind. Just, oh, that, that's quite tragic. But not permanently. <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> but it, I think that says a lot about your background when you're, you're necking sherry. Yeah, we know. It's what the, 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 oh, the uh, Pouth Pie thing. Followed, what, the, followed by a bottle of creme de menthe. It's what they had in the cupboard, Rob. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I mean, RSPCA wildlife scientist Nicola White said, we're extremely concerned about this shocking new trend. We've had quite a few similar cases reported to us in a very short space of time, but this could just be the tip of the iceberg. There's probably many more we have not been told about. Eating a live animal and posting a film of it on the internet is not some light-hearted joke. It is unacceptable. It sends out a clear message that animal cruelty is okay as long as it is in the guise of entertainment. We all remember the raccoon forced to ride a bicycle in in Blue Water. We urge anyone taking part in this horrible craze not to do so and for people to report anyone who is taking part. Um... I watched a bit of this video, then stopped it when I realised what was about to come. I actually thought, actually, I want to protect myself from this, because he just looks like a normal bloke. Do you know what I mean? Um, and this is him there. Right. 
So that's a picture of him necking the... Jesus, yeah. Right? But, but this is the bit, Rob, and you need to describe this for the listener, just this picture. Are you going to show me this video? There, there we are. No, I'm not going to show you the video. Okay. So it just looks like a normal guy, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, he's got a can of Largo, a can of Stella next to him, which points says everything you need to know. <laughs> and now you've got to describe that picture for the listener. Oh, dear God! <laughs> okay. Uh, Alex is showing me the inside of the blender, which is quite clearly see two dead... Ro- and oh, they're not even baby mice. I was expecting like the baby mice you feed to snakes. They're probably... They're, they're, they're full-size mice. Fuck me. Seriously, they got. there's something wrong with these people. Yeah. Are these are the people that should have been killed by natural selection. And I'm surprised that wasn't part of it. <laughs> Rob, have you got a story for us? My first story is from the Strag News and Journal. Um, the story is by, uh, once again, the, the, the faceless S&J reporter. I don't understand why they use this. They just, um, why would you not want to put your name to some of these stories? It is odd. Yeah. But then, I suppose, you read the stories and you understand. Anyway, so the headline, Man, 56, uses mirror to get a better look at woman undressing. A father of two took more than 100 photographs of a woman sunbathing uh, has been given an 18-month conditional, conditional discharge. Uh, Andrew Studley, 56, of Peacroft Road, Stone, Stonehouse, pleaded guilty to voyeurism at Stroud Magistrates Court on Wednesday the 22nd after he was caught trying to take pictures of the woman through her bedroom window. The case was, and I have to say, I'm, uh, he's obviously gone for a lot of effort, and I think he, he, he deserves praise more than anything else. The case was adjourned for a pre-sentence report today. Um, Studley was handed an 18-month conditional discharge and a restraining order to prevent him from contacting the, the victim or going within 100 metres of her address. Uh, a previous court hearing, uh, the court heard on July the 25th last year, Studley saw the, woman, uh, the, saw the victim undressing in the bedroom. Peter Ashby, prosecuting, explained that the victim got, un- got completely undressed before getting into bed, and once under the duvet, she noticed an A4 mirror dangling outside her window. <laughs> I need to go back, bro. I need to go through this slowly. So she's... Why is she getting undressed in full view of people? I don't understand. Uh, this is raised... Uh, yeah, he, he raises in the story. Why would you get fully naked... With the light on. So, before I say this, I need to say my own personal experience of this. Okay. When I lived in Paddington, and you'll you'll remember that, Rob, there was this balcony, uh, and by the way, it makes me sound like I was, it was just, it was just an affordable flat in, but there was this balcony outside, and and opposite, you could see a lot of these houses, which which were owned by very wealthy people, and there was this one woman who lived in this house who every, because I'd go out to that balcony and smoke a cigarette, as you know, regularly, and at night, she would, with the lights on in this massive room, with with curtains completely drawn, and just a floor to, 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 to bottom glass sort of window, get completely undressed. Um, when she was changing, undrawn. yeah, completely yeah, undrawn, yeah. and get and get and, and get completely undressed when she was dressing for bed. Really? And this was just in full display of of anybody who who could see. I mean, it was quite remarkable. And then and then occasionally, this rather portly, well, I assume her husband or lover or whatever, would also wander into the room also naked. <laughs> It looked like they were like having baths, you know, and then getting changed or whatever. But it was bizarre. So I have experienced this, and it was hard not to look because it was right there. Well, exactly. And, and she would have been able to see me, by the way. She would have been able to see somebody standing on a balcony with the occasional uh, 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 red tip glowing. And I'm talking about the cigarette. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah. How did he dangle a mirror outside the window? How do you even do that? I don't know. Wouldn't he be able to be on the roof? 
<laughs> or did he have it on a pole? <laughs> but what I don't understand is, did, did he have it on a pole that he raised up? <laughs> but it's a lot of effort, isn't it? Yeah, but if you're in your bedroom, right, and you just see this mirror... It must have been that. It must have been there's a, hang, there's a mirror hanging outside a window. But how did he hang it? Well, it must have been on like a piece of string or something. They must explain. But how do you hang a mirror from a piece of string? Do you understand how heavy mirrors are? Was, was he on the roof? Was uh, he on the roof? It's quite a big mirror, an A4 size. And also, how would you, if, you're, if your curtains are open and you're undressing, how would you not. I think I'd notice if there was a mirror hanging outside yeah, the window. Yeah, there's that. But also, a dangling mirror, Rob, would, would naturally in the wind probably hit against the building and smash. I mean, it's not the easiest thing in the world to keep stable. Yeah, and it's, it's a shit plan. Yeah. Just buy a camera with a telescopic lens, no? Uh, yeah, well, this is it. If, if the mirror is was dangling, if the mirror was dangling, but sure, that implies that he was above her. Yeah, on the roof. <laughs> I think he's on the roof hanging a mirror over. Maybe, yeah. It must explain this in the story. Well, you always say to me it doesn't, and then you've gone to explain it, which always shows me you haven't read the story properly. It doesn't, it doesn't. I, I guarantee this. Right, um, after a few minutes, the mirror was then removed and replaced with a mobile phone. <laughs> so why would he then replace the mirror unless he was just trying to work out whether she was getting changed? Because you'd have to, you'd have to pinpoint that unless well, he's been standing there for fucking hours. Well, you can't keep me waiting. What do you mean it was replaced with a mobile phone? To do what? To film her? With a mobile phone which lit up indicating it was on the court herd. Hang on a minute. How did he dangle this outside her window? I don't know. So he's on the roof. And it genuinely doesn't sound. He's on the roof with a fishing rod, right? (laughs) (laughs) He winds it down. He's got the mirror. He's like, yep, she's in. (laughs) Reels it back up. Sticks a mobile phone in there. Press record. And and just pass it down. (laughs) This is what this guy is doing. You're right. You're right. This guy is like a lunatic. Well, right, like, if you're going to put in all this industry, why don't you just go to a strip club, mate? It would be a lot easier. <laughs> um, the court then heard that during a police interview, uh, Strudley admitted to taking more than 100 pictures of the victim. He's done this a hundred times. Hang on, did he take pictures while it was dangling? And if I'm so, assuming how, so. How it, doesn't, it doesn't say. How can he... Poor journalism. Also, right. right so it goes is on. this in Stroud again, by the way? This is Stroud, yeah. Born capital of Britain. Yeah, it was Stonehouse, just down the road. Um... So, yeah, the police heard that during a police interview, uh, Strudley admitted to had taken more than 100 pictures of the victim's sunbathing. Um, however, none of these pictures were found on the defender's laptop, phone, or camera. So, where were they? Well, what are you saying? I, I, it doesn't What's say. Implication? I don't know. It doesn't say. So, not only is she, she is an exhibitionist then, she's getting undressed in full view and then sunbathing naked in the garden. Come the on. trouble is, the next sentence, he's incriminating himself. Right, according to Mr. Ashby, when police asked about the mirror, Strudy said he used it to get, in quotes, a better look. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving himself away. <laughs> how do he must explain how he did it? It doesn't. It doesn't. Right, okay. Uh, Nicola Corwell defending, so Mr. Strudy believed he was being invited to watch. The victim could have gotten undressed in any part of her room, but she chose to stand next to the window with the light on. Uh, on the light on while stripping naked, she added. Therefore, the defendant could only conclude that when she was undressed in front of the window... Uh, oh, so, so, so therefore, the, the defendant could only conclude that she was undressing in front of the window so he could see her. Um, it was a foolish, foolish error of judgment. However, he didn't realise he was committing a criminal offence. Uh, well, I guess because he felt that she was inviting him on to do it. Yeah. And presumably she wasn't screaming and calling the police when she could see the mirror. But again, if if, uh, if he, she was invited him, why would then you use the mirror to just check that that was the case? Rob, I really... The, I, the stories like this irritate me. You can't use phrases like dangling things from windows without explaining how it was done. But there's, there's two things that happen here. There's one do you think he lived... Hang on. Surely it's likely that he lived in the same block. Well, that's what Surely I'm saying, yeah. He, lived above, he, he must have lived above her. He lived above her, was leaning out the window and dangling out a, a mirror. Yeah, but that's, that's a lot of effort, though, isn't it? 
Well, yeah. He's obviously never heard of the internet. No. <laughs> Okay, Rob, um, as you know, and you mentioned earlier, it is Valentine's Day today. And I've got another story by Tim McFarlane. Okay. Who we have heard a lot from over the course yeah, of yeah, the Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's becoming more prolific. Yeah, I mean, how long have we been doing this podcast now? Are we coming out oh, to Oh, yeah, two, that's a good point. We're coming out to anniversary. When's the six, Oh, it's on Sunday. Two days away. Oh, shit. We've forgotten it, Rob. That's Is it the 16th? Yeah. That's a, today was our anniversary show. This is appalling. Oh, fuck. We're going to have to do it on Tuesday. Yeah, okay, we'll celebrate can that. Can I, t- if I, don't we normally get each other gifts then? Can that, can my I, gift... I need two gifts then. Can my gift tie in for anniversary and your 30th? I'm not sure how you do. Do you know what? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> Let's see how this works out. What, don't you want a tin of pork sausages? <laughs> no, Alex, I really well, yeah, don't. I that. <laughs> and, and also, they weren't pork, pork then, but I'm sorry, they reconstituted chicken. <laughs> Hot dogs in a can and you ate them. Oh, And we still don't know whether they were raw or not, or needed cooking. Yeah, that's we, true, yeah. yeah. No, I wasn't ill before you, you asked that. You were ill after that, don't you remember? You got ill. Oh, that's anyway, true, yeah. Uh, I, I think I've completely forgotten it. Okay, well, so, so hang on, Rob. We've got to do it properly on Tuesday. We can't suddenly announce, hey, this is our... Well, it isn't our... We're just saying it's two years that we've been doing this. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, we've got the 100th episode coming up in 10 episodes time, and then we'll really pull out the stops. Yeah, so we, we acknowledge that it's two years since we started, well, the recording of the first episode, and then we'll celebrate the 100 as well. That's what I just said. Yeah, just just re-clarifying. By Tim McFarlane. It's an anniversary-themed story. Still not as good as our... I think it was our first ever episode where I read out that story, Valentine's <gasps> Speed Dating for Under Eights. <laughs> this was from Monday the 10th of February. Can... Rob, I have to warn you, this story goes on a bit. Okay, that's fine. It is rambling. Great. Uh, confusing. Anyway. Can dating coach Hayley Quinn help new shopper singleton Tim find love? It's Tim, as in the, the, the journalist, obviously. Tim McFarlane. Yeah. Oh, what a shame. We're getting a real insight here, Rob. I thought this would be more story for, for uh, Jim Palmer. It's funny you say that, Rob, because there's an interesting twist to this at the beginning of the story, which you're going to enjoy. Oh. <laughs> Tim McFarlane had an ultimatum, with two weeks to go until Valentine's Day, to get his love life in shape or spend another Valentine's Day in his bedroom ogling pictures of Jennifer Lawrence. It's not a good idea to be late for Hayley Quinn. New Shopper's resident dating coach was less than impressed when New Shopper leisure editor Jim Palmer and I rolled in 15 minutes late for our lunchtime sun. <laughs> a swanky Covent Garden eatery. So what so, I love is, why is Jim Palmer piggybacked onto this? Jim Palmer was obviously looking for some tips, Rob. <laughs> yeah? I don't think he was looking for tips. I think he was going to try and pick up the dating coach. Possibly. Good. Also, why have they got a resident dating coach on the staff of the New Shopper? They, they haven't. I thought that's what he said. Oh, maybe she is. Hang on. Sorry, oh yeah, new shopper's resident dating coach. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, after persuading Miss Quinn how sincere we both were in wanting to help me meet single women, the intervention could begin. It became clear within 30 seconds I was out of my depth between scribbling down Hayley's solid gold advice and glancing despairingly at Jim for moral support. A strategy began to emerge. Firstly, my new guru shredded my plenty of fish online dating profile. I just, I, I, know, I said, I don't know what Jim Palmer looks like. I've just got this. Uh, Do you want to know what Tim McFarlane looks like? Oh yeah, go on. He's not a bad looking chap. No. I just imagine Jim McFarlane just sitting at the table, just like with a cigarette and one hand going, I told everything I know. No, 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 no. I think he's desperate, Rob. Do you think? No, okay. no, no, that becomes clear. Oh. Tim finds data. Okay, it started well enough. You're better looking in your profile picture, she said, but soon became more than just a nitpicking exercise. It suffers from the classic profile problem of being really generic, said Hayley. You should be using the writing skills you supposedly have. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is that, that this is proof that we've. <laughs> 
<laughs> what we've always known is these people can't write, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Everyone likes music, film and TV, so say what your favourite movie is. When it comes to travel, outline what your favourite destination is. Don't just say, I like visiting Spain, but say there's this one amazing spot in Ibiza I go to. You need to be very detailed. Round the whole thing off with a call to action. If you're the kind of woman who likes dot, 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 we should talk and you're done. Not sure. I think you can put whatever you like in the dot, yeah. dot, dot. Hayley deals with plenty of guys who met their last girlfriend at university, moved to somewhere like London and watched their old mates scatter. She said your friends will just disappear. Like, kind of like how you used to live in Crystal Palace and then just left. I had no friends. Just but left. then I didn't have anyone got there. No, I'm talking about how you left me, Rob. Oh. Yeah. No, you after, chose living. After university, some may become attached to long-term partners, and that is another way your social circle will be pulled apart. So you need to do something outside of it. With that in mind, my coach makes five recommendations. Yoga... Science. Yoga? Yeah. Yoga. Science. We'll go to these in more detail soon. Flicking through an online catalogue of women, and I don't think it means looking at a <laughs> Topshop website, I think it means... Or razzle. <laughs> tapping up friends and trying to pick tapping up... Tapping up friends. <laughs> yeah, and trying to pick up strangers on the street. I'm not sure she's an expert. <laughs> this translates as singles yoga in Shoreditch... A trip to a late night opening at the Science Museum, an unusual dating event. Okay. And asking friends for a blind date using app of the moment Tinder and Saturday Sarging in the West End. Sorry, what? Saturday? I I don't understand any of it, Rob. (laughs) Combine that with trying to send out three messages a day to different women online and I had a game plan. It's kind of like getting fit, put the hours in and you'll get the reward, says Hayley. Time to knuckle down. Okay. Now, each thing he does, he's rated. So he's rated this experience of meeting Hayley Quinn. Fear factor, 8 out of 10. Numbers got, 1. He said, I got a work phone. Date secured, 0. Embarrassing photos of me with dating coaches, 1. Right. Are so, you, are you keeping, it's not going well so far. Yeah, are you keeping up with this? Uh, so barely, far? yeah. Okay, so number 1, he uses the internet. Tim goes trawling on plenty of fish. Good old internet dating after... Other attempts at more far-out means of snaring a female have yielded some phone numbers, but no actual dates. Right. Thanks to some major changes to my page, free site, plenty of fish yielded three different dates with girls who look like their profile pictures. I got nowhere near flinging out three messages a day as advertised, but a more flattering snap of me in particular led to a couple of girls getting in touch rather than the other way round. According to Miss Quinn, it should be just one avenue for meeting women, but it's a pretty reliable one if stopping girls on the street sounds a bit too terrifying for you. Fear factor, six out of ten. Numbers got, three. Date secured, three. Embarrassing personal photos removed from the web, seven. Bonus. Number two, Saturday Sarging. Tim tries to woo women on the street. I've never heard the word sarging before. Is it sarging? I don't know. No, you might be right. I don't know. It's probably some sort of term I'm not aware of. Of all my challenges, this was one I was most dreading. Approaching women moseying around a museum is one thing, but trying to do it while they're marching across Oxford Street is quite another. This is exactly what a group of guys do on a Saturday Sarge every weekend as first-timers mixed with so-called game, so-called day game experts to try and pick up girls oh, on the street. No. My main companion for the afternoon was Jake Trainer, an 18-year-old physics student at UCL who said he's been day gaming for three years and is not short of a theory or two on the subject. My game is based on Zen. It's all about being very genuine, being yourself and being centred, he said. You need to be completely absorbed in the activity that you are one with it. With really good game, it's almost like girls are beckoning you to come over and doing the work for you. So what I want to say there is, how can you be on the one hand, yeah, genuine, and on the other hand be gaming? The trouble is, you can't, because let's face it, I'm not sure... Wankers. This is based on a book called The Game. Yeah. Have you ever heard about yeah. this? Mm-hmm. And obviously, this is, these are people who are being superficial. Yeah. For, let's face it, 
a shag. <laughs> so this is this, this is completely contradictory because he's not he's going about this in the wrong way. You're a fucking idiot, Tim McFarlane. It certainly didn't look as though any ladies were begging for me to come and hit on them as we headed to Leicester Square, also known as Pester Square, since it became a regular haunt for day gamers. Did it? <laughs> Apparently so. Oh. My first set or pickup attempt. Oh God! <laughs> in Oxford Circus was a flop. According to Jake, I failed to perform a stop, proper stop on my unsuspecting target and carried on walking along with her, which is a big no-no. A second try outside Bond Street Station went a lot better. With Jake urging me on, I tapped a girl on the shoulder, managed to get her to take her headphones off and engage in passable conversation for a few minutes. An attempt at a number close failed, to give, f- failed given she had a boyfriend, but it was some adrenaline rush to have not fallen completely flat on my arse. Jake said the nerves never go away, they just turn into excitement. You can, layer on a lo- you can layer a lot of guff about technique and social dynamics on top of all this, and some guys definitely do, but it's really about knowing how to sell yourself and not taking rejection personally. Oh, a bit like holding one of those golf sale signs on the <laughs> Yeah. So he's just going up to random women and saying, Hello, would you like a date? Number three, unusual pickup spots. Tim gets some crotch action at the Science Museum. <laughs> Attempting to meet women in a place where most of them are with their boyfriends. I can feel my IQ, IQ, my IQ dropping. <laughs> I know, I'm going to stop soon. <laughs> Attempting to meet women in a place where most of them are with their boyfriends in groups or more interested in a large hardened collider is not easy. Disgusting. But I gave it a go by visiting the Science Museum for one of the late night openings it holds on the last Wednesday of every month. Two four pound bottles of Heineken and some fruitless traipsing around it later and it wasn't going well. Firstly, I bumped into a guy from school I hadn't seen for years who told me all about his lucrative new job before excusing himself as he had to go and meet his attractive new American girlfriend. <laughs> he was polite as could be. It was like I'm... an additional click in the team. <laughs> yeah. He was as polite as he could be when I explained why I was there, but the damage had been done. Approaching three girls sitting down, I thought I'd just spell it out and appeal to their sense of pity, which brought some relief. Helen was persuaded to part with her number while I, her equally plummy mates, Verity and Millie, looked unamused. I'll have to leave you to guess whether I got a text back or not. I found a plastic mannequin with a confusing crotch area to commiserate with, but exhibits don't tend to be too chatty. Sorry, did he just come grope, grope a mannequin? <laughs> uh, it, this is the picture of the mannequin with the confusing crotch area. It's basically got a big hole in it. Bloody, it's not that, um, what, that's quite a, a loud jumper he's wearing there as well. It does, uh, yeah, it says, it looks like it says run ass left, which I don't think it, it does. It looks like it either says fun bastard, but I think it actually says run faster. Oh, well, that probably makes more sense, yeah. <laughs> fun bastard. <laughs> you might need a bit more game than me to attempt picking up here, but if you like silent discos and science, it'll be right up your street. Singles Yoda. <laughs> nice singles <laughs> yoga. Will finding love be a stretch too far for Tim? Even I am dying reading this again. The the only thing I know about about yoga is the fact that, I mean, obviously they they put you into very difficult positions and also people apparently tend to break wind quite freely there, which uh, I'm not sure is the perfect environment to pick a date up, especially if you've you've guffed in your own face. (laughs) Rob, I can't actually read anymore. Rob, I can't read any of them more. I'm really sorry for putting our listeners through it. I mean... It's it's addled my brain. I think what we've learned, though, because if we reflect on this, is that if you're going to try and find a date, maybe the new shop isn't the best best place to start. Rob, you got a story for us? Yeah, uh, this one is from the Coin Advertiser. It's by apparently the Coin Advertiser, and obviously. As we know, there's obviously most of the country, not most of the country, but a lot of the country is suffering from floods. Um, and obviously, 
Oh, it's the British version of Katrina, isn't it? Smaller scale. Yeah, exactly. But and, uh, devastating nonetheless. Yeah, those people have suffered, obviously, um, uh, you know, sorry. Um, is that sympathetic enough? Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so this is uh, a story about that. Pearly Pond gets its own Twitter account. Right. Can you see where this is going yet? No, I thought you thought it was about flooding. It is. Right. But you, you will... Pearly Pond is presumably a pond in Pearly. It, it is, yes, yeah. It's fair to say that the possibility of flooding in the south of Croydon is no laughing matter. But one wag has at least seen the humour in one or more of the blazing aspects of the flooding story. The pond being created at Pearly Cross to keep water away from the frames... Uh, sorry, from the homes and businesses in the area already has the ultimate seal of approval, its own Twitter account. And at the Pearly Pond has already put in a bid for the... For for an advertised interview, though it's unlikely to happen because one, as his agent is demanding money for the for the privilege, and two, it's a pond. Well, but I'm completely confused as to what on earth you're talking about. You're saying a pond has been created in Pearly to keep yeah to keep flooding at bay. What flooding? What flooding could possibly in South Croydon, Alex? It's not near the water. It's not near a coast. No, but you know, it's downhill. Where is South Croydon? <laughs> Probably south of Quinn. Well, I'm um, confused as what on earth you're talking about. What do you mean they created a pond? There's a, there's a pond that's been created which is helping to sort of relieve flooding in the area. How is it? I don't know, Alex. It just is. <laughs> How's a pool of water going to help? What, the water's going to go to the pool and cause it to overspill, isn't it? <laughs> well, there is that, yep. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, so just <laughs> never heard any, when these people are getting flooded in like Devon you don't hear people saying yeah build a pond in front of your house that'll, that'll get rid of it well that's a good point yeah and also you kind of think if it's in the middle of yeah, I, can't, I can't imagine it's in the middle of like a council estate because you know, where's that water going <laughs> unless they're making like, some weird sort of reservoir it just sounds to me like this is an automated story that's been written by an automated machine that just uh, puts together random pieces of information well if it has it's become sentient and then started its own twitter account <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so uh, here's a few of the tweets to make you smile in brackets possibly on a bleak Sunday afternoon uh, discussing the feasibility of selling bottled uh, catering board water in the nearby at Tesco's hashtag enterprising uh, bring your own fish I'm rather devoid of life at present shopping trolleys don't count uh, hey people of Tesco's have you seen a pond before what's with all the Scum. What does that say? Scum. <laughs> staring. Sorry, that's just staring. Rob, so, can we tweet the pond? We to can. say that you featured on our podcast. Oh, we can, yeah. That's true. Do you want me to tweet the pond and see if he responds? Yeah. He might, he might come on the show. I'm not sure how it would work. But we'll give it a go. Because yeah. obviously they're, they're able to get him our here. First and, and contain him as well. Uh, and just uh, two final tweets from the pond. Um... My, my, these chaps from At London Fire are rather dishy. But do we mention that on the podcast? The fact that you nearly just fell off your chair? No, just start again. Listen, so if you heard a, th- a, th- a thud there, uh, that was Alex kneeling the tables and nearly smacked the wall. Uh, <laughs> might try and get a number or two. Have you seen the size of their hoses? And uh, just finally, just the, the last tweet from the pond. Uh, people of Kenley, I'm taking one, I'm taking one for the team. Well, when I say one, I mean several million litres. Hashtag Pearly Pond. I still don't understand what the fuck that story is about, but thanks for reading it anyway, Rob. Well, I'll tweet the pond nonetheless and, uh, and see uh, if whether it'll come on the show.
Absolutely. I can even ask if you've got a story for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, Rob, my uh, last story here. I wanted to end on this story for me, Rob, because it's one of those classic, local anaesthetic, unfortunate animal-related stories. Of course, yeah. It's by Mark Chandler. It's from Tuesday the 11th of February, Rob. And the headline is... Shooter's Hill Trio tried to kill ducks using bird of prey and bricks. What do you think that story is wow. about, Rob? Wow. What do you think that story is about? Uh, I'm guessing that there's some uh, rapscallions who... Have, I'm not sure how, where they got a bird of prey from unless they're trying to reenact the film Kez. Uh, and a housebreak, apparently. <laughs> Three men and a child are being hunted after they allegedly set a bird of prey on ducks in the Shooters Hill Pond and hurled bricks to try and kill the creatures. Not just one brig, Rob, but several. Right. According to an anonymous appeal put up on Eagles Field Park Gates, oh God. which goes on to ask for the culprits' names and addresses, no questions asked, the men were around 30 years old. It reads, The male with the bird was around six feet tall. The second male had a small child with him. In brackets, I know. What scum. <laughs> what? The third male had a black crash helmet with him and was short. He is believed to live locally. Do you want to hear the full note? I've got the full notice, Rob, and it's typed in capitals, and it was so it was erected in the park. And somebody, somebody just put this notice in the park randomly. Yeah. Do you want to see? Do you want to hear it in full? Of course. It's in capitals. On Saturday, first February, two thousand fourteen, at three fifteen p.m., three males, one with a bird of prey, used the bird and bricks to kill ducks on Eaglesfield Pond. The males were around thirty years old. The male with the bird was around six feet tall. The second male had a small child with him. In brackets, I know what scum. The third player had a black crash helmet with him and it was short. He is believed to live locally. So, in total, there were four people there. So, three men and one child. And the bird. Do we not know this is not the horseman of the apocalypse? Yeah. I don't know many people who are trying to walk around this area with a bird of prey. <laughs> <laughs> and let's face it, that person's going to stand out. <laughs> yeah, does, does on a bag what? of bricks. <laughs> it might be, yeah. He might be, he might be a, a common door brick salesman. The witness, who left their phone number on the notice, told Newshopper they'd received threatening calls since making the appeal. One call said, Hello there, just to let you know we've killed two more ducks tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and if you put up any more notices, we're going to kill some more. I bet. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. So, they've seen the notices and now they're threatening to make more notices. They've killed more ducks in response to the notice. If the notices don't get taken down. Yeah. Right. They want to be able to kill ducks in peace, Rob. This is, this is a very vicious cycle. I don't understand this is... Okay, great. <laughs> the witness said the bird of prey was going over the ducks. It was landing in a tree and they were calling it back. The ducks were swimming frantically. They then started throwing bricks to get the ducks to fly out so they could send the bird to attack them. <laughs> what? The bird did get hold of one of the ducks in its mouth, but I'm not sure if it was killed. I'm pretty certain it probably was. Yeah. They said the very sad thing about this is that one of the guys actually had a child on his shoulder, watching while they were using the bricks. To me, this is bad as somebody making a child watch a pornographic video. And Rob, I thought, well, well if it, it's as bad as what well, it is, really, but it's, it's like making somebody watch... Uh, <laughs> it's, like some, it's like making a child watch uh, duck snuff films. <laughs> Isn't it? Because that's exactly yeah. what this is. That's true. Duck snuff movies. I thought our episode title could be forcing a child to watch duck snuff movies. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Is it like it is like for subject to the child or making a child 
Well, it's equally as psychologically damaging, I would have thought. Yeah, we, we don't know the child might have, you know, might have requested it. It might have been a birthday present. <laughs> can we kill some ducks today, Daddy? <laughs> Daddy, can we get the bird of prey out? Well, like most, most parents, Rob, take when I was younger, my dad took me to the park and we fed um, bread to the ducks, which I understand is not actually meant to be something that's good for the ducks. Yeah, but he didn't go down and throw bricks at ducks and take a bird of prey with him. I once did go to the park with him and there was an instant once when unexpectedly he saw some rats in a tree in Crystal Palace Park and started throwing rocks at them. <laughs> and I remember, telling my friends about, there, I remember telling my friends about that at the time and they uh, called him after that rat catcher. <laughs> oh God. Rats in the trees? Yeah, there were rats in the trees in the, and in the ruins of Crystal Palace and he just, he just threw a rock at them. Okay. Yeah. Mm. A spokesman for the Met Police said police have received an allegation that three men were seen releasing a bird of prey to attack ducks in Eaglesfield Park at 3.11pm on February the 1st. Anyone with information should contact Greenwich Police on... 101. Right, Rob. Uh, comments. You want to hear some comments on this story, don't you? Of course, yeah. Ripe, sorry, Ripnitook says, so how come ducks matter and fish don't? New Shopper actually encourages people to indulge in cruelty to fish. A very cryptic comment that I'd love to know how the New Shopper do. Yeah. <laughs> Either it's not okay to be cruel to any animals, my position, or ducks are fair game too. And he said, commenting on the whole thing about the pornographic videos, he said, to me, this is bad as making a child watch The X Factor, which I thought was a good point. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a very good point. Simon Bald said, Jeebus, what is this all about? I said, this says there are some terrible people about. <laughs> philosophical comment. <laughs> Highway Warrior says to Ripnitook, what are you on about? Any relevance to the story? Hunting with a bird of prey in an urban area is pretty strange and potentially dangerous. He's, he's re- retorting to the fish comment. Yeah, of course. And Ripnitook says, my point is that people get all up in arms over somebody allowing nature to behave as nature does. How do they think birds of prey in the wild? McDonald's! And it becomes a terrible... But I love the idea of seeing an eagle in McDonald's or a falcon. Just organise. So just flying into the restaurant. Yeah, and, and ordering a Big Mac. I like the idea. It goes to the drive-through. Yeah, it just hovers, just the worst place in the order. And then obviously goes down to the next window. Yeah, it's a, that's a, a nice image. Mm. And suddenly it becomes a terrible person story where loads of people are quite happy to put metal hooks in a fish mouth. And the new shop always reports that in a positive light. Double standards, much as person's an idiot. <laughs> I don't think there's anything we need to add to that, do we? No, but what a great story, Rob. I mean, in terms of our bad news animal story, somebody... It's still bad journalism. Wouldn't you talk about where the, you know, what bird of prey it was? And, and surely these must be very well-known people in the area. Not many people own birds of prey. It's not like three men and a dog were seen. No. It was three men and a bird of prey, which means any time they go out with this bird of prey, aren't they going to be quite easily spotted? Well, you think so. And also, didn't they say this is in the afternoon? <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's three men walking around with a child, a bird of prey, a bag of bricks and a crash helmet. <laughs> and no one's One seen them. One wearing a fucking crash helmet. <laughs> and they just blend off into the background. <laughs> Right, Rob, have you got a story for us? Is this our listener story segment of the week? It is, yes, it is. Good. Yes. Um, and it's returned to Nicola. So this is coming from the Eastern Daily Press. Naughty Nicola from Norwich. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I hope she knows it. Likes a new nickname. Um, there's. Uh... Oh, yeah, no, here. Uh, is there a journalist? No, there's not. Um, the headline Norwich Man admits. What could I say? Every story you've had this week has had no journalist. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I think that's the first. Yeah. Let's try harder. You think they'd be proud of their work? Because mm. we are. Mm. Norwich man admits setting fire to his partner's bra. <laughs> it's, it's not related to the bras for Africa appeal. No, it's it? not. No, unfortunately. No. Right. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I Were you protesting it? about women's rights? <laughs> well, not the way he was going about it. Uh, 
A man set fire to his, his partner's bra and underwear and put some of his own clothes in the gas cooker after getting drunk and caught his hood. Right. Simon Locke, 30, appeared in Norwich Magistrates Court yesterday where he pleaded plead guilty to arson on January 12th this year at a property in Norwich. Dennis King, prosecuting, said Locke, uh, care of Honey Close, off Knox Road, Norwich, has been in a relationship with the complainant for about five years but has had a drinking problem since around... Uh, sorry, have been drinking since around noon and was found passed out on the floor around 7pm. Uh, he got into bed and was sick, which prompted the complainant to ask him to leave because of the way he's behaving. I'm, I'm not sure when... when uh, I think what had happened So was. she basically said, look, get the fuck out of my house. What yeah. are you doing? Right. Um, she later saw Knox sitting on the edge of the bed with a bra and a lighter in his hands. Mr King said the bra had been set alight by him. The court heard there were flames there were flames on the floor in front of him on the carpet, which had been stamped out by the complainant, who also took the bra. Uh Locke well, then, well, whatever is the term, is it complain complain complainant. Complainant, yeah. Locke. As in the, the partner. Yeah. Yeah. Locke then took more items from the from the drawer, mostly underwear, which he grabbed from him as he was trying to light it. He later attempted to put some of his own clothes in the, in the gas cooker and try to light it. But stopped by the complainant who locked the doors after he left, but eventually let him in because of the noise he was making. So he was just outside beating on the door. Yeah. My clothes are in there! No, I don't think so. Uh, Ryan Creek, good man, mitigating, said that said the client was very remorseful for what had happened and made a full and frank admissions in an interview and indicated by his prompt early guilty plea. Mr Creek said it was the first time that he'd, he'd been before the courts, but the reason as to why it happened was a mystery to Locke. <laughs> So he has absolutely yeah, sounds, no idea. It sounds quite obvious, though, what happened to me. It sounds to me... I mean, there was a lot of... Um, it sounds to me like they had a bust-up and, and and he was sort of, in some way, exacting revenge or taking out his, his hurt feelings towards this aspect of their relationship, which was personified by her underwear, which is obviously a sexual element between their relationship. I'm not liking this sort of... Cracker-esque dissection. Self-reverential, not self-reverential, no. But this, this, yeah, this kind of analytical approach to stories, Alex, it, right. it doesn't make for good comedy. Okay, <laughs> I'm just pointing out that's what but it was. I, I, Him saying he has no idea. That's, that's, that's basically what, what the story says. Oh, what does it say? It, well, it, it goes on to say that um, he had a lock who was a young child with a complaint and was like a father for, for, to her for four years. Has attempted to get help for his alcohol problems and wants to pitch, pitch, sorry, patch things up with his family... Um, and hopefully return home. But it, I'm sure it mentions... Yeah, it says that there was a disagreement between the complainant and Locke, who gets extremely drunk, as a way of provoking a response set fire to her bra. Yeah. Well, there's no point in reading this the story, then, is there? <laughs> Any comments? No. Let's just end it here, shall we? <laughs> yeah. For, <laughs> sorry for my friends at Canassi. I was just saying, that's no. what it seemed to be. Forget it. But it's a lovely way to end our Valentine's Day episode, an image of a man burning his girlfriend's bra and underwear while completely drunk out of his mind. And what a better way to uh, to celebrate the love for your partner than getting actually, you know, as you said, absolutely hammered and set on fire to her underwear. Right. I mean, let's face it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be memorable, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's pretty standard fare for a good Valentine's evening. Absolutely. So, uh, happy Valentine's. Take care. And God bless. Oh.